0: Bodega, bodega, bodega. Alpha and Omega. <clears throat> Siamese sailors sell celery sandwiches. Sawing a badass serving platter. Hey, hey Jamie. Yes. Uh, did uh, Did you want to try reading that line on the script there? Oh, yeah. Let's see. Uh, you could say big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive. That one. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm just not warmed up yet. Shouldn't be long. Detector test. Bundle
1: your home and auto with Progressive today.
0: The Marmot Mangled by Mushu Pork Pancake.
1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Leslie Marshall Show. A true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people.
2: Live from our nation's capital, it's Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Welcome to Deadline DC
1: with Brad Bannon. I'm Brad Bannon because no one else would take the job. I'm a national democratic strategist, a columnist for The Hill in Washington, D.C., and a commentator for news radio stations KNX in Los Angeles and WGN in Chicago. My company... Bannon Communications Research, polls for progressive issue groups, labor unions, and Democrats. BannonCR.com is the sponsor of today's show. If you want to learn more about me and my political polling company, uh, or you'd like to have any ideas for Deadline DC, the best way to reach me is on Twitter, at Brad Bannon. We've got a really great show for you today. Our guest in the first half hour is Peter Montgomery uh, of the of Right Wing Watch, and in the second half, Tara Devlin of Terror Buster and progressive activist Mark Grimaldi join me on the provocative progressive political panel. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, right wing conspiracies today, uh, but before we get to our guests, we're gonna play this clip on uh, uh, QAnon, uh, which is from uh, CNN, uh, Donnie O'Sullivan
2: reporting. As soon as Biden was inaugurated, a new conspiracy theory took hold.
1: Trump will take office as the 19th president of the United States on March 4th under the restored republic.
3: Hey, 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 it's your favorite truth seeker holding the light for everyone out there who's given up hope that Trump is not the president of the United States of America, when in fact he is. When you think about it, you know, Biden's not in the White House and they have proof that he's out of California uh, and it's all staged. Executions will be happening on March 5th. That's a big statement. Oh.
2: And I'm really looking forward to it. Trump will return as president in March, they falsely claim. The conspiracy theory is apparently rooted in the belief that an 1871 law turned the country into a corporation. And any president elected after that is illegitimate. The last president to be sworn in before that law passed was Ulysses S. Grant on March 4, 1869.
1: Okay, thanks uh, for that from CNN. Our guest in this segment is Peter Montgomery, who writes and researches for Right Wing Watch a project of People for the American Way, where he was a senior fellow. Peter has studied the religious right movement and its right-wing political allies for more than two decades. His Twitter handle is Pete Mont, P-E-T-E-M-O-N-T. The website for Red Wing Watch, Right Wing Watch, is rightwingwatch.org. Okay, Peter, I... This is one of those questions I am I know I'm going to be sorry for asking you. But why do these people think that Donald Trump's going to become president of the United States again in three days?
3: Because they have just committed themselves all in to Donald Trump. And they are unwilling to believe that he lost the election. They, uh, you know, the goalposts keep getting moved. You know, first it was going to he was win the election. And then it was going to be that something was going to happen before the Electoral College and voted in December, then it was going to be that the military was going to arrest Joe Biden on the inaugural stage and Trump would be sworn in again on January 6th. I mean, on January 20th. So um, that's, you know, Biden got sworn in. So they they moved to the goalposts again and they have uh, fixated on March 4th, which was the old uh, inauguration Day. Uh, in the early days of the country, when it took people months to travel long distances, uh, there was a lot, even longer distance between the election and Inauguration Day.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm probably, this is probably, I'm going to be asking you a series of stupid questions because I really don't understand any of this. But that's why we have you on the show, Peter. Uh, what's and there's a lot happen? of stupid
3: things. Yeah. <laughs> Uh,
1: what's going to happen on March 5th when they realize he didn't get inaugurated?
3: You know, it's hard to say. I think uh, some number of them may be disillusioned the way some of them have been disillusioned uh, after uh, the election or after Biden was inaugurated and some may walk away from the movement, but others will probably um, fix it on something else. Some people have said, well, maybe it'll be in May. So if March comes, some will just uh, look for the next step down the road, uh, you know, they that they believe the military is going to step in and reinstall uh, Trump.
1: Do you expect any trouble in uh, Washington or anywhere else on March 4th, uh, especially when these people find out that, uh, you know, Joe Biden's still president?
3: Well, I. It's certainly possible. I think that's one of the reasons that um, they're maintaining sort of a heightened security in around the Capitol right now is because they know that this date is out there. But it's also true that the the QAnon crowd and the conspiracy theorists online are kind of splintering now uh, about what's gonna happen next. And, and some are saying uh, that March 4th is being set up as a false flag that uh, the same way that they believe that the January 6th insurrection was a false flag designed to discredit Trump and his supporters. They think that the left and the Democrats are setting up uh, something to happen on March 4th so they can blame it on the right. So, but it's, it's hard to know. Okay. Uh, let's, let's
1: start off with the basics here. W- what exactly, now these groups have been uh, described as cults uh, what is a cult exactly?
3: <laughs> well, that's a that's a big question. I don't know if I could be an expert on that, but I think cult is basically it is a, it's an, a movement that has a um, uh, an element of of uh, mental manipulation to get people to stay in. It um, connects. It encourages people to cut off from family and friends. Uh uh, to get pulled in, often very focused on a, a particular leader. You know, usually we think of cults in religious terms. But I think what we've we've seen uh, develop with Trump is certainly a cult of personality. And then for the people that are really um, bought into the conspiracy theories around Q, you know, Trump is at the center of all those. Trump is, is the hero who is uh, supposedly, for the last four years, behind the scenes... Battling this global satanic cabal, and you know, uh, all through the Trump years, um, QAnon adherents kept promising that the mass arrests were just around the corner, and that uh, you know Trump was going to unleash the storm, and that was going to be uh, you know all the Democrats and these supposedly high-profile pedophiles were going to be arrested. And obviously, you know, none of that was true. None of it has come to pass um but just like you had you know in in previous years you had doomsday cults that predicted the end of the world would happen on a certain date then that came day came and went and some people realized they'd been had and walked away and some people found that, you know found some kind of explanation to to make sense of themselves and picked a new date in the future
1: Okay. Uh let's uh let, let's uh start with uh probably I guess maybe I should let you uh answer this but uh one group that's got a lot of uh, publicity is uh uh uh, Q- uh QAnon. Uh, we have, I think at least two re- uh, members of the House of Representatives who are QAnon he- adherents, uh, one of whom Marjorie Taylor Green has got a lot of uh, publicity in the last few weeks. Uh what exactly is this organization?
3: Well, it's not an organization. it's it's the it's a network of people who have who share, Uh, Conspiracy Online, Share Research Online, it came out of um, 4chan and 8chan, these sort of online message boards and discussion groups. And it started in the fall of 2017, when someone who identified themselves as Q, who was supposedly uh, an intelligence official in the government with high-level access, Q referred to the level of uh, security clearance he supposedly had, and he started doing these Q drops, was what they call his posts. Uh, and they were kind of in the form of riddles. And so it it invited people to get sucked in to figure out what was he really saying. And then they they built community around that by talking to each other and, and trying to figure out what he was telling them. And, okay.
1: Uh, We're going to take a short break here, uh, uh, but we'll be back with more with our guest, Peter Montgomery from Right Wing Watch. And uh, we're going to uh, uh, we'll be back with our audio listeners in a couple minutes. We're going to stick with our video listeners. Viewers. Welcome back to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Our guest this half hour is Peter Montgomery, right-wing watch, who's been uh, talking to us about uh, right, various right-wing groups, uh, the Oath Keepers, uh, QAnon, uh, the Proud Boys. Uh, now, uh, let me ask you a question. Do these groups... First of all, are they they seem to be more prominent, a, a growing part of the uh, Republican Party? Uh, they seem the Republican Party definitely seems to uh, 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 tolerate these groups, if not encourage them. What is the relationship between these groups and the Republican Party, in your opinion?
3: I think it all it really has to do with the person of. Of Donald Trump, you know um, the the way that uh, right wing uh, groups um, have coalesced around Trump himself, even more so than around their identity with the Republican Party. I think you can't really overstate that. And the QAnon conspiracy theory, which you know started in 2017, his first year in office, it built on some uh, previous conspiracy theories targeting Democrats, like the Pizzagate theory. But it really was focused on Trump as this kind of heroic figure battling the swamp, uh, evil and pedophiles. It's all connected also to the way that um, the uh, far right uh, within uh, uh, white evangelical Christianity has also tied itself very much to Trump. Um, there's a big overlap between conservative evangelicalism and Uh, QAnon support, you know, uh, adherence. So there's a lot of of elements of the Trump base that of the Republican base that really um, became fixated on the person of Trump himself. And I think that's why you saw a lot of them coalescing under the banner of stop the steal uh, even before the election when they thought he might lose. But certainly after the election, when these rallies that were held in Washington in November and December and January, brought together this weird mix of of uh, right wing Christian leaders and violent groups like the Oath Keepers and um, QAnon adherents. You saw this strange mix there's, you know, big rallies, uh, you know, several big rallies in, in Washington DC on the National Mall between the election and the inauguration.
1: Okay. Uh, By the way, for our radio listeners, uh, if you'd like to uh, see what happens uh, and continue to watch our guest uh, during the break we take to our radio audience, uh, you can watch as well as listen to the show now. Uh, You can see us on Periscope TV uh, at at, www.periscope.tv front slash Brad Bannon. Uh, You can watch us on Facebook Live at tinyurl.com front slash BB Facebook Live. And you can also watch us on YouTube uh, at tinyurl.com front slash Brad on YouTube. Peter, let me ask you this question. Is there overlap in membership between these people? Do they coordinate their activities? What do you know about them working together?
3: Well, I think it's, I think um, they're each doing their own thing in some ways, uh, but they certainly work together. And, and we really saw that in the Stop the Steel rallies where, you know, you had um, alt-right people uh, uh, like Ali Alexander, uh, activists who came out of the alt-right. You had people like the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys and the Three Percenters. And then you had uh, Religious Rights figures and they were all they all came together under the stop the steel banner which was not only promoting the idea that trump won by a landslide and that the election was taken from him but that some of them were actively calling on trump to invoke the insurrection act and invoke martial law in order to stay in power and some of them including um the head of the oath keepers uh threatened you know uh you know, on the National Mall at one of these big rallies said that if Trump didn't do that, that it was going to be up to groups like his to wage a bloody civil war. So, you know, this violence, the threats of violence were out there well before January 6th. And, you know, there is evidence that all these groups are working together. I think moving forward, you know, some of them are going to go their separate ways. Some are uh, still hanging on to this idea that Trump is still going to come back somehow. Others are really now focusing on 2022 and 2024. Some of the Stop the steel energy is now going into taking revenge on every Republican uh, who wasn't sufficiently loyal to Trump, who either supported impeachment or didn't uh, support the challenge to the electors. And so they're really going after them uh, at the ballot box. And then some, you know, uh, may be out there plotting uh, worse kinds of, viol- you know, additional violence.
1: You know, one of the things that disturbs me most about these groups, they seem to have an unhealthy identification with Hitler and the Third Reich. I remember one of uh, I was seeing, uh, you know, people wearing T-shirts at the Capitol riot, uh, you know, referring Auschwitz. Uh, how can they identify w- with the Nazis, given what we know about what happened in Europe during World War II? I just don't get it.
3: Yeah, well, I, fortunately, I think that's probably a, a very small fringe even within this movement. But there's there are white nationalists who are very grounded in uh, anti-Semitism, that that is a big part of their message. You know, during uh, we just had the CPAC that I know you're going to talk about with other guests. But on Friday night for the second year in a row, there was a further right wing Uh, conference for people that think CPAC is uh, not right wing enough called the America's First Political Action Committee uh, conference. And that is run by a white nationalist, uh, Nick Fuentes. And it was really disturbing that we actually had a member of Congress, Paul Gosar, speak at that event, as well as former member of Congress, Steve King.
1: Okay. Uh, we've got a minute left. Let me ask you one last question. Some of the people who were arrested at the Capitol, who were affiliated with these right-wing groups, now seem to be regret their uh, their act uh, their actions and uh, disappointed in Donald Trump. Is that widespread in these organizations?
3: I think some of them uh, definitely feel that they've been thrown under the bus by Trump. Um, because they answered the call. Uh, he made the call. They answered it. They're there for him. And now he's disavowed them and thrown them under the bus. So some of them are very unhappy with that. Um, but the, the loyalty to him is still quite strong.
1: Okay. Uh, Peter, thanks very much uh, for joining us. Our guest in this half hour has been Peter Montgomery from Right Wing Watch. Uh, if you'd like to contact uh, Pete, Uh, Peter, you can, uh, his Twitter handle is Pete Mont, that's P-E-T-E-M-O-N-T, and if you have any questions about right-wing activities, uh, QAnon, the Proud Boys, or any of those other disgusting groups, uh, Peter's the guy to ask, because he spent the last couple of decades researching them. Uh, Thank you, Peter. In the next half hour, we'll be joining our provocative progressive political panel uh, with Tara Devlin, the host of Terror Buster and progressive activist Mark Grimaldi. So don't go anywhere. We still have 30 more minutes of show left and you want to see every minute of it. be me. I'm Rick Smith. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Uh, Before we get to the provocative progressive political panel, uh, my thoughts on Donald Trump's speech yesterday at the conservative political action convention. Don the con emerged unhinged and unchanged Sunday at the conservative political action convention. Taking a break from playing golf, the GOP's golden idol and fatted calf brought out the same playbook that led to his defeat last year. Donald Trump will lose again if he's not in jail in 2024 and runs again. He uh, belittled the new president who has rescued the nation from his failed presidency, and he attacked Republicans who bravely voted for his impeachment and conviction. He also uh, did the old right-wing playbook. He attacked immigrants and transgendered Americans. The man who can't admit it lost in 2020, or that his divisive approach to politics was rejected by voters, will have a tough time winning in 2022 if he decides to take a long break from the golf course and runs again. You can read my take on policy and politics every week in the Hill. Just Google. I'm Paula
0: Hancock's in the DMZ between.
1: Ash Brad Bannon. Now we have this uh, short clip from the president yesterday when he spoke uh, to the right wing crowd down in Florida.
3: Had we had a fair election, the results would have been much different. But who knows?
1: Who knows? I may even decide. To beat them for a
3: third time,
2: okay? beat for a third time.
1: Just what we need, just as the America is Sleets. trying to crawl out uh, under the rock that the, form, the former guy, as Joe Biden calls him, uh, <laughs> left us under uh, when he left office on January 20th. Now it's time for our provocative progressive political panel. Our guest panelist today is Tara Devlin. Tara is a New York (laughs) City-based comedian and host of the podcast, Tara Buster. Tara Buster is 100% listener-supported and (laughs) five-star viewer-reviewed. Yes. You can help keep independent (laughs) liberal media alive and free from corporate influence by becoming a patron of Tara Buster. At Patreon, uh, and that is... uh, that is uh, p a t r e o n dot com front slash Tara Devlin. That's front slash t a r a d e v l i n. You can file Tara on Twitter <laughs> at real Tara and on Instagram at Taredact TV. T y. I'll get. I'll it's get good that enough.
0: Out it's good enough.
1: Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, joining Tara on the panel is progressive political activist Mark Bramaldi. Mark has worked on get-out-the-vote operations for several Democratic presidential candidates, including Joe Biden. Uh, He also fights for campaign finance reform and funding for cancer research. His Twitter handle is Mark J. Grimaldi. Okay, let's start with this panel. Uh, what were your reaction to uh, Donald Trump's uh, big speech yesterday? Uh, he had a chance to vent his spleen now that he's banned from Twitter and Facebook. How did it go, Tara?
0: Well, it's to me, it's concerning that he's still out there spreading the big lie. And we have to really think about what, uh, uh, we're in a really precarious moment here in the United States, where we, liter- we have an autocrat in the making. He wants to be a, a dictator. Going out there, spreading this lie, it's one thing, but then they, he has so many willing co-conspirators in the Republican Party that that really concerns me. The whole thing is frightening. And it has echoes of uh, Hitler, in my opinion, because Hitler he was sent to jail. He was silenced. He came back ten years later to become, you know, legally and peacefully the chancellor. So, you know, with quotes, legally and peacefully. But I, but I, I feel like we're watching a uh, a fascist, a wannabe fascist coup, and we have to be incredibly um, prepared and willing to fight it and not pretend that it is what it it's anything but what we are what we're looking at for example the democrats why don't they for uh, i mean just to 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 beg for bipartisan support for the very from the very same people who are enabling this wannabe autocrat is uh is pretty concerning to me but yeah that's what Mark, I felt uh, when I watched. <laughs>
1: okay, uh, do you have Mark? Do you have any uh, thoughts on the on the as Joe Biden calls him the former guy speech?
2: I would agree with Tara. I'm I'm done not taking him seriously. Um, yeah. I've seen it too many times where we laugh it off because, or even if we're not laughing it off anymore, we're just looking at him as this loser. Well, you you think about the people on the other side. And the fact that he's gotten off twice now mm-hmm. in Congress after being impeached, you know, not being convicted in the Senate, so, you know, Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy can you know talk out of both sides of their mouth as long as they yep. want, but. You know, neither of them voted for his impeachment or removal. So they're condoning it. And those are the leaders of the Republican Party in Congress. And you saw what his supporters are willing to do. They're willing to literally kill Capitol Police officers and, you know, try to stop the certification of the election. So if they've already shown that they're willing to do that and they were stopped, what's the more extreme step that they're willing to take? in that's order to, to grab power in the future. And that's the way that yes. they should be treated. So, right. you know, I don't think that we can take them. Um, I think we need to take them seriously. Now, what does that mean? Well, I think Tara's right. You have head-on messaging. You It's tricky because you have to do it in a way where you're not accidentally magnifying um, mm. what they're saying and giving them free publicity because we also saw that in the lead up to the 2016 election. Um, You know, I think in our own personal lives, it's talking about it in a serious manager, uh, excuse me, a serious uh, manner and and calling it what it is like we're doing right here. You know, in my Mm -hmm. own personal life, I have family members that no longer talk to me. Um, It's sad, but they, Mm. you know, supported Trump and I I called them out for it. I said, "I, I love you. I think you're making beyond a huge mistake, you're brainwashed. And I tried to address them as respectfully as possible. And, you know, we kind of had it out and they stopped Mm. talking to me and that was their choice. You know, I was willing to still have a dialogue, but I wasn't gonna pull punches uh, in order just to have communication with them. So um, I think what Tara's Mm. talking about is the effort to, um, by Democrats to try to bring along Republicans for the COVID relief bill. I think when you talk to people like you know Mitt Romney, for instance, I think he at least has credibility in the sense that he was willing to vote to remove uh, Donald Trump not once but twice. Now, do I agree with him policy-wise? No. Um, he wants to, to bring the, the COVID relief bill down to a third of its size and wrote, a critical um, piece on the the bill, uh, opinion piece, calling it a clunker or something like that. But at least he's talking policy. Now, those are the people I think you can have policy discussions with. But frankly, I don't I don't give any credence or seriousness uh, to anything right of Joe Manchin. To be honest, that's where yeah, today's Republican oh Party should be. That should be the right. Okay and everything to that should be the left of it now that's not mm-hmm. the reality we're living in so again i think that's where tara is bringing up we have to address it we can't ignore it um and we have to talk about it in an honest manner and how dangerous yep. it is we can't be afraid to say how dangerous it is because we're going to mm-hmm. somehow turn people off or scare them away because we've also tried that and they didn't care that we weren't taking them seriously <laughs> they stormed the freaking capital. Seventy four million people voted for this. So obviously they're taking it seriously. So we need to do so as well. Yep. Absolutely. You know what
1: amazed me watching the speech? How he hasn't learned anything from his defeat.
0: Oh, please. Uh,
1: It was the same old thing. He, rather than trying to play to a broad audience, he played to his base Uh, He spent a lot of time belittling his opponents within the Republican Party. Uh, He uh, went to the old right wing playbook and he attacked uh, immigrants and he added a new right wing wrinkle, which was to go after transgendered Americans. It's the same old Donald Mm -hmm. Trump. Uh, Nothing has uh, nothing has changed at all. And I think if I was a Republican, um, I would be very scared of what's going to happen to this party. Oh. Uh, one Republican senator said yesterday morning on one of the national... TV talk shows, that if the GOP continues to idolize Donald Trump, uh, they will continue to lose. Uh, But uh, I don't think a lot of Republicans have heard that message. Okay, we're going to go to break now uh, for our radio listeners, but we'll continue this discussion with the provocative progressive political panel with our TV viewers. Uh, So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was passed by the House of Representatives, and what happens to it in the Senate? Continued mm-hmm. terror.
0: Yeah, it's um, for what I was saying is that I'm, I, uh, it's concerning that the Democrats can't stay united, and we have somebody like Joe Manchin giving validity to the right wing uh, BS that somehow raising people's wages is going to be bad for the economy. The American people, we live in a country where the 80% of the American people are living check to check. We have a category called the working poor. It's, uh, which is a disgrace in itself. The fact that we even have something called the working poor in a country where billionaires added, well, I don't think, I think it was 1.5 billion more to their wealth, I might even, I if I, I if I'm remembering correctly, it might even be more than that. So, we're, we're constantly, the American working class is constantly being nickled and dimed to death, as if we are, we're the ones that make the world go round here. And the fact that we don't have a, we don't have living wages, uh, an illness can put you into a bankruptcy, catastrophic illness. We don't have basic, uh, a basic floor that where you can actually live a decent life. This is not democracy, and this is the exact p- groundwork that laid the groundwork for, for a, a, a Trump to come in and exploit all of these fissures of disunity and all of this disgruntled uh, working-class anxiety. So, yeah, um, for me, the, the minimum wage is a no-brainer. The other thing is that if the um, Democrats don't push and fight for real change in this country, we're in danger of uh, of having a revival, a fascist revival with uh, Twitter. So
1: where do you get the 50th vote for the minimum wage I in know. the Senate? Uh, uh, none of the Republicans— right. uh, Several. Uh, none of the Republicans are in favor of the minimum wage. Some of them have proposed uh, a lower minimum wage. So uh, where do you ridiculous. get the fiftieth vote that you need for You've, the fifteen dollars minimum wage? You
0: have to. You have to have Joe Biden has to fight for it, but he's not. That's what's so. It's more concerning to me that he's that Joe Biden's fighting harder for nearer tandem than he is for the minimum wage. They're just okay. Well, it's not going to be in the bill. The parliamentarian has ruled the American people need somebody to fight for them. And I believe, I don't know, you know, I don't know. There is a way to do that
2: too, Tara. Mm -hmm. You're right. Because, um, during the tax debate, um, they, the the Republicans were talking about how Mike Pence, the, the vice president at the time, had and still has the power to overrule the Senate parliamentarian, mm, so they right, could push Kamala right. Harris to actually do that if the White House really believed that this was yes. the the mountain to die on. Well,
1: let me let me press you on that, Mark. even sure. if the parliamentarian, you
2: still need mansion. I don't that disagree. Rules part
1: of the package you still have only 49 votes if there's a vote in the Senate.
2: Then the play is, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying, I think it shows. Maybe they've considered that. Maybe they thought, um, you know, what's the point of doing this if Manchin's still going to, you know, go against it? That said, I Mm. think the language about the Senate Parliamentary, it it just indicates to me, uh, you know, almost like laying down and dying. But yet she's right. They've been... Uh, super passionate about Near Tandon, who Joe Manchin has been opposing, and they've shown more emotion on that. And I think it does send right. a signal to those who are, uh, you know, a proponents of passing a fifteen dollars minimum wage about the seriousness of it. Now, am I, you know, picking apart the side I mostly agree with? Yes, I am, but we're allowed to do that, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I also think that, uh, you know, it's it's important to talk about. You know, where are the American people on this? OK, so so, Brad, maybe then the issue is how do you rally around getting more Democrats elected in the 2022 midterms to pass the $15 an hour minimum wage? Well, number one, this is the uh, in a Yahoo uh, Finance Harris Hill um poll uh, recently as February, 83% of Americans agree the minimum wage needs to be raised. Yeah, it's
1: very popular.
2: Um, And then you have the, the biggest chunk of people want to see it raised as the highest level of that poll between $13 and $15 an hour. So, I mean, the thing is the American people are with you on it. Now, we've seen on gun control how that doesn't necessarily translate to change at the time you know, again, we saw the um, the bill, I think it was mentioned to me just as an example for background checks fail in the Senate because of Republicans. Well, then I think you need to show this is where progress is being stopped. This is why we need your vote if you agree with this. So yeah. you do your best to pass it. And if not, you show the limits of your power and why they need to be expanded. That's how I would mm-hmm. personally handle it. But, you know, mm-hmm. that's just me.
1: You know, one of the things I thought I saw that I thought was interesting about the minimum wage, it mm-hmm. is very popular. Uh, but one group that isn't very popular, um, is, uh, white voters without a college education, uh, which the ones who uh, will
0: benefit from, <laughs> uh,
1: which, yeah, who would greatly benefit from an increase in a minimum wage. Uh, you know, it tells me, uh, the, the, the hold Trump still has on, right. uh, GOP voters.
0: Right. Uh,
1: right. okay. Let's, uh, flip to something else. Uh, well, you know, that raises a larger question. Uh, whatever passes uh, through the Senate process called reconciliation, it can pass uh, with 51 votes, including Vice President Harris. But once this bill is done, whatever it is, whether it has a minimum wage in or, uh, or not, every other thing that Joe Biden imp- uh, proposes, is going to need 60 votes in the Senate to pass Mm, 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 uh, because uh, there are not enough votes to eliminate the filibuster in the Senate. So the question is, how does Joe Biden, for instance, he after this pandemic thing gets package gets resolved, Uh, he is going to uh, basically uh, propose another $2 trillion package, uh, which is basically going to be devoted uh, to clean jobs and infrastructure. Uh, And the question is, how does he get 60 votes to that? Or is he going to have to compromise way down to get the necessary 10 votes he needs to pass it?
0: Right. Well, I... I believe uh, you probably guess that um, we should do away with the filibuster. It's about time we need to get rid of this gridlock and do big things. We have we have a lot on our plate to fix. Not only we I mean, we're not just fixing the last four years. We're talking about we, well, need you know, to- the
1: question is, how do you eliminate the filibuster? Right. There, there are 48 votes. I know uh, for yeah. eliminating the filibuster, not the 50. So <laughs> right.
0: how do you get around that? I know um, this is a quite I, what you would do is if you if Joe Biden was truly for it, you can rally support by using the bully pulpit. If you, it, so uh, you if,
1: think that Joe Biden can Joe Manchin to vote for the filibuster, I, even though Manchin has said very clearly he won't under any well, circumstances. I
0: I. I don't know their personal relationship, but this, these are the things that need to get done. If we do want to fix what, what the, this country, which is the least upwardly mobile with the widest income gap of all of our Western partners, where you can go bankrupt when you get sick, one third can't retire, 80% are living check to check. We have, these are the problems. And of course, the racist, the racist base that we have to deal with this, uh, this underlying history, but it's also all of these things. Here's my idea, my, my wish, if I had my wish would be to promote our policies, universal health care, which cannot be done in an intransient system. Like the way we have it, the filibuster wasn't put in its It's not something that we can trace back to the founding. It was it's one of these. Nothing about
1: it in the Constitution.
0: Exactly. So why is the only reason it's there is to give the conservatives more power than I mean, and this is part of the problem in the entire American history, giving conservatives all kinds of compromises, not finishing reconstruction. Everything is a compromise to to what's not working and universal health care getting all of these things done they are the priority giving people a decent middle-class life as the american birthright yet again uh, for all that will unify the country i i'm of the belief that we unify the country by not by not promoting policies that divide us up into sections we have to have that's why fdr had social security belong to everybody So no damn politician can scrap it. So This is what has to get done. And we're really just arguing about this uh, minutiae in a way where the bigger picture is important. I know. Yeah. No, I agree. It's broken. It's part of what is broken. I agree with you,
1: absolutely. But the Mm -hmm. minutiae is there. And the question is how you eliminate it.
0: Right. It's like the whole system has been skewed against doing what we need to do to have a functioning democracy. And that's not a surprise. Okay, we're
1: going to have to call it a day because we're at the end of our hour. That's (laughs) it for today, friends. Thanks to our guest, Peter Montgomery of Right Wing Watch, Tara Devlin, host of Terrorbuster and progressive activist Mark Grimaldi. Uh, This is Brad Bannon. Stay strong. Stay safe. And stay sane, if you can, while the pandemic rages.
2: Yep. Thanks, Tara. Thank you,
1: Brad.
0: Thank you so much. All right. I'll see you guys later.
1: Call 1-888-FARMERS to switch, and you could save an average of $470 on your auto insurance. That's a lot of money in just a few minutes. With savings like that, you could be lounging on an impractical amount of ornate and overpriced throw pillows you bought for your couch. But you won't, because you're better with money than that. That's why you're calling us in the first place. Call 1 888 FARMERS to get a quote today.
3: We are FARMERS. Bum, 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 bum. Based on average nationwide annual savings survey data, July to December 2020, administered by FARMERS, TRUCK, or FIRE insurance exchanges, or affiliate products not available in every state.
2: With Metro by T Mobile, your hard earned money goes further.